0: hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of one for one i'm your host nolan schumann joined as always by my co-host miles fuchs miles it's been an eventful week it's been a very eventful week um a lot of talk lot to talk about uh but before we do that how how are you
1: i'm just peachy isn't it i'm enjoying some nice weather um for the middle of november in saskatchewan it's it's very nice today got up to like four or five degrees so we're still out here just wearing light jackets there's there's not really any snow on the ground some in the city none in the country and uh yeah man it's nice we got aggravation next week aggravation i remember last year it was like minus 30 every day walking to the truck to you know go and by the end of the day you're you're, you're sitting in a cold vehicle but uh it's, it's only supposed to be like mild teens mild minus teens next week so i mean global warming we don't like it but uh it's looking kind of good right now it's looking kind of nice with it
0: it honestly just kind of reminds me of one of my favorite uh, DT-45 clips, which is uh, him being like, we could really use a little bit of that global warming right now. Who? Like DT-45.
1: Who is that?
0: Uh, Donald Trump-45.
1: Oh my, you can't use <laughs> DT-45 shorthand for Donald Trump. That's ridiculous. They <laughs> tell it again. <laughs> I need to hear it again.
0: But he's like... When he's doing like a rally in the middle of like Minnesota, Minnesota, uh, as it's like super cold out. It's I don't know what the what their Fahrenheit system is. A cursed cursed piece of measuring. Um, when he's like, we uh, we could really use a little bit uh, of that uh, global warming right now. Am I right?
1: <laughs> and Everybody probably goes yeah! nuts. Just pure screams of of bull lust. Yeah. Oh, dude. dude dt 45 is funny i've never heard that before i like that a lot
0: well i said uh i said to a friend of the show the other day i was like this is this is one of my favorite oh it was um we were talking about the get the gap video that lsu did yes Yes. and i was like this is probably my favorite piece of content to come out of the 45th administration
1: (laughs) i like that the the Clemson national champions got served like fast food because the kitchens were down. That's an underrated one, I think.
0: Oh, the clip of him being like, "Great American food, good American stuff." It's like McDonald's,
1: Chick Fil A. Yeah, it's so funny, dude. That uh. These like these it. like I think Trevor Lawrence was there eating Big Macs with the with the president. <laughs> That's awesome, man! Shout out DT. Yeah. We might get we might get some more DT.
0: Imagine, imagine we actually got DT as a guest.
1: Oh, no, dude. I you would, you guys are losers.
0: <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys, uh, believe a little bit too much in that, uh, liberal bullshit, in that, uh, sleepy Joe bullshit.
1: How, what do you do? What do you do for numbers? How many people do you have listening? Nothing, you're nothing like chicklets, <laughs> nothing like chicklets. Yeah,
0: you're, you're nothing like the full send podcast,
1: dude. Speaking of uh, numbers and people and stuff, um, oh, we a big week on the internet. We um, did have a big week on the internet. I'll let you take your thing, but we got our first hater.
0: Which one? Oh, <laughs> I forgot about our hater. So this
1: kind of this you, kind of went hand in yeah. hand with with Nolan. What Nolan's about to talk about, but we got a shout out from somebody, and it brought a little bit of traffic to our to our social channels, and uh, um, a new friend, a new guy from Edmonton. <laughs> Um, replied to one of our tweets with nice podcast. You fucking losers. Yes. Only to have like four attack dogs in his mentions, <laughs> roasting him as a person. <laughs> the the, the f- shout out baby back and shout out flames fan Dill for going nuclear. We on call this them, guy's personal.
0: We, we call them the rough rider crew. <laughs> Stop. Drop. Um, Yeah, man. Uh, so we're going to get into the San Jose game uh but for those of you that, that do not know uh in the middle of the inter- or, uh during the intermissions between both the first second and then also at the end of the game uh Ryan Whitney uh former Edmonton oiler and current uh or current uh co-host of Spit and Chiclets I mean, i'm assuming everybody's heard of Spit and Chiclets is listening to friend show, of the show okay friend of the show now you can officially say um he was hosting some spaces uh in both the first and second intermission and in the first intermission, I was going to jump in because obviously on on Twitter spaces, I'm not calling it the other name. It's Twitter. Twitter is much more fun. Uh, and uh, so he was hosting some spaces. And during the first intermission, I was going to jump in, but actually friend of the show, Zach Lang jumped in and he was speaking with Brian Whitney for a little bit and they were kind of shooting the shit back and forth. And I thought, you know what? Second intermission, I'm going to jump all over this because he had mentioned at the end of the first intermission uh, that he was going to come back around on the next one. So I waited around and just kind of refreshed uh just kind of refresh Twitter until eventually the space opened back up, and I immediately sent a request in. Now at this point, the Oilers were down. Was it two one in the game? I think they were down two or no two nothing. I think. It I, think. Was,
1: I can tell you if
0: you can give me a second here. <laughs> great, great preparation by the fellas here. Um, and the third uh, it was two, three one three. We're
1: down three one.
0: Uh no two one because then. Oh no, uh-huh. sorry. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, 2-1. They're losing.
1: The yes. Oilers are losing. They to the were Sharks. down
0: to the Sharks of all That's teams. That's what you need to know. That's the important to, part. To the Sharks. I'm, I will reiterate one more time. To the San Jose Sharks. So, Ryan Whitney opens up his Twitter space, and he goes on about, because his whole bit right now is that he is an Oilers fan through and through, because once an Oiler, always an Oiler. And he jumps in to basically talk about this game and says that, if they lose the game against the Sharks, he's done as a fan. So I obviously jump in and uh, put my name in there, and he says, oh, this this has got an Oilers logo. And I hear the little sound of being accepted as a speaker into the Twitter space, and I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. And, uh, yeah, I got on and talked with talked Wit for, I don't know, three, four minutes, and, uh, you know, just kind of let my feelings pour. And at the end of the show, at the end of the bit, he said, everyone, go check out his podcast, one for one, go subscribe. And uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. And we got, uh, I don't know, we got a good like 15 to 20 followers out of it right there off of Twitter, which is pretty cool. Um, So if you're just tuning in for your very first episode post post Twitter spaces, then hello, welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, And yeah, we're just, we're just... uh, this will be, be a complicated episode, I think.
1: Not really. And I think that that's a good segue for me to take it over and tell the folks at home what we're going to do. Because it is going to be a little bit different than a regular one for one episode. We're going to go through the game against the Sharks and then the game against the Kraken. From there, we're going to move into a little bit of Oilers shit because Elephant in the Room, uh, big big moves was made post-Kraken game. So once we get through that little bit of discussion, it'll lead us right back into the game against the Islanders. And then we will wrap up the game against the Kraken from last night because we are recording on a sneaky little Thursday here, Thursday the 16th. Once we get through that, uh, we'll move right into NHL shit and we'll get you out of here. So... Uh way we go. Unless there's anything else you want to say. Uh
0: no, but we I gotta talk about the Sharks game. Uh because the Sharks sorry, the Oilers lost to the Sharks 3 2 uh earlier or last week. Uh because apparently Sharks can swim in oil. With a win over the Oilers, the Sharks can tie the Oilers in points. Mackenzie Blackwood starting for the Sharks tonight. Who in the first eleven games of the year he has had either a save percentage under eight seventy five or over nine thirty. Um, I think if you actually look at some of the like underlying numbers from Mackenzie Blackwood, he's like by goals by goals saved above expected and stuff. He's like one of the best goaltenders in the in the NHL, which is kind of outrageous. But uh, <laughs> first period comes around, doesn't look very inspiring, and uh, Fabian Zetterlund opens up the game, scoring with 2:25 left in the first on a defensive breakdown in front of the Oilers' net. Who's to blame? Watch the tape and pick up one of the three guys standing around, not picking up the open man. Awful, awful goal. One nothing Sharks. Darnell Nurse, who has been the topic of much discussion during the slow start, gets his third of the year to even things up. Two minutes into the second, Fogel and Dryside get the assists. game. Then Thomas Hurdle, who has the biggest I play for the Sharks energy of all time. If you know, you know. uh, Gets the Sharks back up (laughs) 1. Into the third where we go, uh, and this is post-Twitter Space. uh, Where Philip Zadina gets 1 early into the frame to make it 3-1 Sharks. And my mental stability is crumbling by the second Nuge would they get one with three minutes remaining from Bush and Eckholm, but the Oilers dropped this one 3-2. The lowest of the lows have been reached. Sharks were hot, winning their game last night as well. Uh, But sometimes you run into a hot team. Oilers outshot the Sharks forty-one to eighteen, won forty-three percent of the faceoffs, went zero for four on the power play, killed both penalties they took two for two, and hits were even at fifteen apiece. Remember my little Mackenzie Blackwood stat? So he has he was a nine fifty-one in this game. Crazy numbers. Now for those that don't remember after the game a clip of Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson walking on the ice was going around on the internet where it looked like Woodcroft said yeah that's probably it and Manson just replied with yep just chewing his gum yeah uh, right there <laughs> you're rap that's it that's a wrap. also for what it's worth the shark center ice logo looks like shit so let's remember that uh, it looks like a it looks like a rip curl knockoff remember rip curl I do remember Rip Curl, yeah. Yeah,
1: I was watching that game. I looked at that logo and I was like, "That's disgusting."
0: Yeah, you should be ashamed of yourself, Sharks.
1: You're a you're a multi million dollar franchise in California. Like, hire a local artist. I'm sure they can come up with something better than your shitty dorsal fin. It's
0: uh, it's uh, the California liberals. Uh, that's where uh, Sleepy Joe got elected. Was in California, and uh, I only expect the worst out of the San Jose Sharks.
1: Yeah what he said and then some. Yeah. So this game was was tough to watch, was such a emotional roller coaster of sadness and and longing. Um I went to a Mexican buffet before this for a fundraiser. It was really good. Food was awesome. It was awesome. But I was so full I couldn't move and that combined with the like depression of the Oilers losing to the sharks I'd be sitting there like an animal that needed to be executed.
0: The worst part of this whole thing was everybody watching the game because every yeah, the Tom whole world. Every Tom Dick and Harry across the hockey universe was watching this game. Because I mean, at least thank God the Oilers didn't hand them their first win of the season. Thank thank Christ almighty. But it's just it's I don't know. And and I understand that this is kinda of what Oilers fans get and like this just comes with with cheering for a hockey team. But man, it just it just sucks 'cause then you like scroll on Twitter and you just gotta hear from uh Rangers fans and Capitals fans and Flames fans and Leaf fans and Canuck fans and Senators fans. Everybody all had to have their opinion and it just sometimes, you know, you, you you can you can stop kicking. You can stop kicking us while we're down. It sucks. We know the team sucks.
1: No one likes to be the butt of the joke, but, I mean, when you start off the way that this Oilers team has and when you lose to the Sharks, it uh, comes with the territory that <laughs> you're in. So. And
0: when you start off with as much confidence as we did.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know what? Life moves on. The world rotates, and we live to see another day. Mm -hmm. Um, despite the noise around potential firings or a trade the team kept steady going into seattle with woody behind the bench skinner in the cage it's another day at climate pledge arena and i pledge to drink triples at indoor golf to settle the nerves about this (sighs) impending game back on november 11th remembrance day so long partner a 4-1 win over the seattle kraken now, it makes sense uh, if you were to score, say, I don't know, three goals in an NHL game that you would want to balance out that athletic ability by being good at another aspect of your life, which is exactly what the children's author, Zachary Martin Hyman, does to open the game's scoring, redirecting an Evander Kane shot, one nothing Oilers. This one is called The Magician's Secret. Ooh. Zachary Martin Hyman once again on the power play crafts up his sixth of the year from Nuge and Bush. We're calling this one the Bambino and me 2 0 Oilers. Zatural hat trick Zyman, his third of the game, seventh of the year. This one again from Kane completes just the second Oilers natural hat trick in the first period. In franchise history and puts the final pen stroke on zachary martin hyman night this one is called hockey hero and it's three nothing oilers now the bit with that the bit the little little fun little names i gave him Mm -hmm. those are i'm sure you know but for those at home that's uh zachary martin hyman children authors books those are what his books are called so guys, got three goals in this one and he's got three cute little stories that you can pick up uh from your local bookstore don't Going to use Amazon, Go Support Local, and uh read them to your kids. Read them for your read them for your friends. Read them, read them for yourself, because reading's hard.
0: Dude, reading is hard. Reading I, is hard, man. Like I try and read like an athletic article once in a while, and I'm like, oh
1: man. It's a sports. Why are you guys using such big words? Yeah. Just settle down. Settle co- down. Can
0: you just give me more pictures and graphics.
1: <laughs> I'm a very I'm a visual learner. Uh, so that's one storyline, right? The Zachary Harmon, Zachary Harmon, Myman, Zachary <laughs> Martin Hyman absolutely exploded. And that's awesome. We love it. Grubauer gets pulled here. Oilers are buzzing. The DJ at Indoor Golf won't stop playing horny Drake songs. The vibes are kind of crazy at this point. Uh, and then enters Dylan Holloway, who scores his first of the year oh, at man. the 1942 mark of the first period from McLeod and CeCe. It is nothing Oilers. Heading into the first intermission. Buzz, 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 buzz. They're buzzing, buzz, buzz. I love it. The teams would trade shots in the second with no goals. And the third period was the return of the Holloway storyline as he took a boarding call early in the third period my opinion it wasn't so much of a boarding as it was like a hand on the back as he closed the guy out uh, and then he fell into the boards i didn't think it was that bad uh, but it had the group at golf split two two i'm curious to get your thoughts on it as we roll on but the closing out of the man which was followed up by mr holloway getting into a fight with vince dunn at the midway mark of the game okay hollywood we see you Jaden Schwartz would get his eighth of the year, a power play marker on that hallway penalty. Good sass, boy. So the game finishes 4-1. Oilers, Edmonton, in total control of this one, outshot the Kraken 26-18. to They won 46% of the draws, and both teams went 1-3 for three on the power play. The Oilers badly were, out, were badly out-hit 17-9, but I guess that's what happens when you have the puck all game. Uh, Hyman takes home first star for his explosive effort. Stuart Skinner takes home third star with his .944 save percentage. And the Oilers win. You can play La Bomba, baby. What a Saturday night game. That was awesome, man. That was such a fun game to watch. Having, having a little outing with some buddies. And next thing you know, you get to watch the Oilers just light up the league. That was all oh, so, so it, deadly.
0: It was a... um it was just a really mature game by the Oilers. Um they didn't have any shots in the third period and I think they allowed 8 to to like to Seattle, but they cleared out. Like like they cleared everything out of those high danger areas and it felt like they just controlled pace of play that entire game. Um and I thought that was the game where I'm like, "All right, we're back. Like the boys are back. We got to win. Let's let's take this positive energy and move on." Um
1: I'm legally required to tell you that we're not allowed to file a we back claim. Okay. I, I've been instructed by by Janelle that there's no we back claims to be made um until I get the green light. So you can say it, but so i
0: she is so she is the the she's governor the adjuster of the adjuster of, the, of the we back department.
1: She's the adjuster on this file, which I mean you gotta give it to her. Um so you know, shout out to her and we're looking forward to the moment where we can rubber stamp that, that document, but it certainly did feel like, uh, this, this team found its mojo, found its groove. And then oh, we I, were, we I were was, shocked.
0: I was just going to say, um, and it, the, the other thing I really loved about this whole thing was how much swagger Jay Woodcroft had when he was in the media. Um, the pregame, the pregame, the pre. It, it's really sad in hindsight. The pregame scrum was awesome because Gene Principe was starting up, I think, by asking the very first question going into that game. Because everybody thought Jay Woodcroft was going to be let go after the San Jose game. And then he's not fired. They're playing in Seattle. Everything's all good. And uh, Gene, Principe, G- <laughs> Gene Principe immediately starts asking the question. about, And he's kind of like stumbling his words a little bit. And... jay looks at him and goes lighten up gene it's game day come on (laughs) it's game day and he's like i'm really excited i'm really looking forward to the game tonight it's an opportunity for our guys to get two big points tonight and just jay woodcroft doing his jay woodcroft thing and then in the post game they're talking about you know how good of a win it was how mature they were and uh and uh mark specter who had just finished lambasing Jay Woodcroft in the in uh, in his articles on Sportsnet? Uh, no free ads. Says something along the lines of like, um, you know, some some sources, um, you know, maybe present company included have written some stuff, and uh, and uh, uh, Jay Woodcroft said something along the lines of like, oh, did you write that? And then he's like, wow, well, he's like, I don't read your stuff, spec. I'm like, Cook. that's fucking swagger. guy yeah jay woodcroft coach of the year there you go just give him the jack adams and like you alluded to
1: on saturday november 12th the news broke around 11 a.m that the oilers would be making a coaching change and this was the worst part is that it was per elliot coming to a shock to many woodcroft and dave manson were relieved of their duties and chris nabla and paul coffee would be taking over More on this later. Uh oh, it's later. We're into it. (laughs) That's gonna,
0: the uh oh is gonna give some people like, no. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) uh oh, it's time for an ad read. It may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare? especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday, you can just shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. Now, this is a new product uh, that we're promoting on the show. Uh, I know that friend of the show, 4 Pie Alex, he's got a set of these Raycon uh, earbuds, and he says that they are fantastic. Fantastic. He loves them. You can't stop talking about them raving about them. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds known for delivering high quality and thorough features like a 32 hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all day wear and lasting comfort. In this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Uh, Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So hurry now to buyraycon.com THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com Dot com slash T H P N to score up to 50% off Raycon products by Raycon.com slash T H P N.
0: Oh, it's time for another ad read. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Global series is going on right now in Sweden. The NHL is over doing all the fun Swedish things right now. Red Wings just beat the hell out of the Ottawa Senators. And, well, when you're probably hearing this Friday morning, in a few hours, the Detroit Red Wings are going to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs pretty shortly. So maybe you're thinking of throwing a couple bucks on that action. Well,. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and why in Connecticut help is available for problem call gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boo Hill Casino Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions in terms and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL shield are registered trademarks of the national hockey league copyright NHL 2023, all rights reserved. But uh, yeah, uh, Chris Knobloch as head coach and hockey hall of famer, Paul coffee is his defensive assistant. Um, so let's talk about this. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about Jay Woodcroft and just how great of a coach he was. Um, because this, this, this really does suck, man. Um, I, I'm going to miss Jay Woodcroft a lot. And I thought that he brought so many great things to the table for this team. I felt like his demeanor was, um, Just, he just tried to be positive while not forgetting that level of intensity that's needed out of an NHL head coach. I mean, you watch any of the like behind the scenes clips of him riling up the boys, and it sounds like he was a real rah, rah kind of guy. Um, But, uh, the woodman finished his time as the Oilers coach uh, with a seventy nine forty one and thirteen record in one hundred and thirty three games he had a point six four three win percentage which is the highest in team history and he was fourteen and fourteen in twenty eight playoff games and that's the king kicker man is that this team over the last two years has been among the best in the league you look at i mean i've I've talked about all the underlying numbers for the past few weeks but This team was still humming at a very high level when it came to, like, Corsi expected goals, uh, scoring chances, shots per game. This team was among the top 10 to top 5 in all aspects. The only thing they were lacking on was shooting percentage and save percentage. And it just felt like every time the Oilers played, it's, like, that one bad chance that you let go, and there was no way it was being stopped. So I, unfortunately... The firing wasn't really justified all that much to me, at least. It just felt like it was more of something has to change, and they have to bring someone new in. And from all accounts, this team never gave up on Woody. Like Connor McDavid came out and said Woodcroft never lost the room. Uh, I believe uh, Leon Drysital and Darnell Nurse echoed those same sentiments. Like these guys did not give up on this on this coach. Like he wasn't a lame duck. It was just. The organization looked at a situation and said we need to make a change. Um, now, before we move on to Chris Nabla, oh, and the one thing I also wanted to mention too, uh, Dave Manson. If none of you know, done extremely dirty on this one. Um, Dave Manson, for those that you, for those that don't know, is the father of Josh Manson, who plays for the Colorado Avalanche, and. Dave's wife and Josh's mother just recently passed away in August uh, from uh, melanoma, which um, is just incredibly heartbreaking for both Dave and Josh. And this actually comes just a few days after uh, the Colorado Avalanche had their mom's trip and Ryan Johansson actually like organized this whole event that it was like uh i think it was called moms for lana or something like that i think that was what it was called and they basically dedicated the entire mom's trip and any sort of funds that were raised along the way to like melanoma research and cancer research so that was really heartbreaking and you really feel for you really feel for dave manson this moment and once again i mean dave manson like say what you want about maybe some of the like defensive tactics that this team was deploying but like was a good like was a great assistant coach for from everything we knew and him and Woody your ride or die and that's that's really 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 admirable um before we move on to the new guy, miles did you have any thoughts on jay woodcroft
1: yeah like a couple times but i don't think you stopped to take a breath or for me to jump in so sorry <laughs> wow it's fine um Okay, so if we're going to look at the full body of work for Jay Woodcroft here, there is a number in that uh, figure of his tenure that does stick out to me and I think is where you can find some justification in getting rid of him. And that's the 14-14 and playoff record. Uh, This is a team that had a lot of things going for it. Say what you want about how they lost their playoff games, but I think that you can look at them as a team that should have been better than 500 in his two playoff attempts playoff runs Mm -hmm. um, especially last year so as much as we love Woodcroft and don't get me wrong I loved Woodcroft I didn't want him to go I've said last episode that in my perfect little brain it was going to be Manson and it was going to be Schwartz and Holland that were the ones that should go but again that's not how professional sports works and it's why Woodcroft ultimately was the one that got put on the chopping block here Um, but that being said Um, had to be a changing of the guard. Somebody had to pay for the start that they had. And maybe we had to find somebody that was going to get us over that playoff hump uh, because two seasons losing the way that they did uh, swept in the third round and then losing in six in the second uh, might need to find somebody who can raw raw or charge the boys up a little bit more to get them over that hump. And I understand below league average goaltending, not his fault, but i've kind of liked chris so far man he's he's a very very likable guy
0: yeah i think the the one thing i might push back on when it comes to like the 14 and 14 record like that's only two playoff runs and woody literally beat like has beat more teams in the playoffs than like the past like 11 Oilers coaches (laughs) so that's that's kind of what I factor and it's like how many how many guys get you know get constant first round exits and they last like five years as head coach I don't know I just I think when you look at the results over the last little while he's um I mean I don't think you're getting a better head coach on the open market right now
1: no I, I don't disagree with that but that being said how many times have we said you know this franchise needs to stand up for Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. I guess standing up for them could have been leaving uh, Woodcroft in there and giving him another shot. But when you start out the way that you did, something's got to change. And I was reading something on Twitter or Facebook, or I don't remember where the article was. Facebook. But was, Facebook. Yeah, Boomer. But it was somebody who was talking about how hectic it makes the team changing the GM halfway through the year. Um, yeah. And this wasn't, this isn't a team that like is going to fire their coach, give up on the season, shit the bed and hope for Celebrini in the off season. This is a team that's doing this early to hopefully get that injection and get back on track so that they can work their way back, compete and get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I think firing the GM would be admitting a TL on the season where firing the coach is a jolt or a uh, punch in the gut to get them yeah. back on track.
0: Yeah, I I do see. I wouldn't have fired the coach, and I and I do agree with you though, because there's obviously a lot of people that are like fire Holland, fire Holland, fire Holland, and like I'm just as sick with a I'm just just as sick of Ken Holland as everybody else is. But I do agree with you because optically it does not make a lot of sense because if you do fire a GM, it this isn't like a coach where you get like a new coach, like you don't get a new GM bump in the middle of the season. Um and it's one of those things too where Ken Holland is in the last year of his deal and there are so many pieces around him and with Jeff Jackson basically running the team. I don't know if Ken Holland has very much control over this organization. Um, because well, should we just get to Chris Knobloch right now? Um
1: introduce the introduce our new king.
0: Yeah. So Chris Knobloch left the Hartford Wolf pack. So not even the Oilers AHL team, the New York Rangers AHL affiliate, uh, who was fresh off a season where they went to the third round of the Calder Cup playoffs last year. I don't have his whole record. Uh or actually, sorry, uh, his AHL record doesn't include this season, uh, but was one twelve eighty seven and thirty-one. Um, and really like the first the first season he took over. Season was canceled due to the pandemic. Uh, the, the next year, there was no playoffs due to the pandemic, and then the year after that, missed the playoffs. And like I said, last year they made it to the third round. And I think that Chris Knobloch gets a bit of a gets a bit of a like a tough beat when it comes to the AHL because he um, didn't really have much runway, and also the uh, Rangers like farm farm system has just been brutal the last little while. So I don't totally blame him, but. I'm kind of burying the lead here, because previously to that, he won a Ed Chenoweth Cup with the Portland Winterhawks, I believe, uh, in the WHL. Sorry, that's not it. The Kootenai Ice, they beat the Portland Winterhawks. Um, But following that up, he coached the Erie Otters from 2012 until 2017. Now, Erie Otters. Where do I know the name Erie Otters? Oh, that's right. That's the team that Connor McDavid played for in junior, uh, in which he went to two J. Ross Robertson Cup finals and winning one. This was two years after Connor, though. Uh, And by all accounts, was one of the most like hottest name coaching hires for the past five years or so. Uh, I've personally, I was banging on the Chris Knobloch drum, I think, even around the around the Todd McClellan years when he was being fired and they were looking at Ken Hitchcock. Cause I'm like, man, hire McDavid's junior coach. I'm sure he can make something work. Uh, and now he's finally here and now start all of the rumors and the rumblings and all the chit chat about what Connor McDavid means to this team and, uh, how it's kind of all built around him. So miles, What do you think about that? And what are your thoughts on Chris Knobloch?
1: I love the Mick GM chirps. I think that is so funny. Um, And I don't remember who it was, but somebody, it might've been Holland, had to come out and was like, uh, we don't talk to, you know, we don't consult Connor on organizational moves and this, that, and the other thing. We don't take individual players' opinions into who we're hiring to run the team, yada, 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 bullshit. Absolute junk if you don't think that Connor McDavid is at least getting mentioned as to what's going on or getting called into the room and talking. Hey, is this chill with you?
0: So it it was actually, Ken Holland said we spoke or cause they, they'd asked the question. They said, um, or the question was, was the leadership core consulted when it came to this move? And Ken Holland answered the question by saying, um, obviously we speak to our leadership group and we speak to the players and all that stuff. And then Jeff Jackson, who's sitting right beside him said, uh, no, the leadership core was not consulted when it came to this hire <laughs> because he's obviously not going to make his guy look bad and he's not going to make a lot of the other guys look bad. He's like, uh, we didn't speak to Connor or Leon or and uh, quite frankly, like we, the players just want to play hockey and just be kept out of this. So this was strictly my doing.
1: Yeah. Good shit. Yeah. Funny. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I really like Chris, though, so far, man. Um, there was a couple moments that have really uh, stuck out to me since the beginning. Um, watching the clips of him going around the first skate that he led and shaking everybody's hand, like glove off, walking with the guys, talking to them, getting to know them personally. Uh, I think that's a great way to step into the situation that he did, because especially if we're taking Connor's word for face value, if Woodcroft never lost the room, um, you know, you're coming in potentially as a not very popular guy, right? Uh, yeah. Players understand that it's a business, but also they really liked Woodcroft. He was a good players coach and probably don't want to see somebody coming in for them because they've played shitty. So mm-hmm. he, I think he came in on the right foot, was personable. I love his tempo. I like the way he answers questions and in interviews. I like how much of a family man he is and how vulnerable he was when he was talking about kind of choked up but like how hard it is to be away from his family um, Mm. making his first pro coaching debut. He stepped in for the Rangers as an interim coach for one game when their guy had COVID. So I don't know if we're counting that as his first game. I don't think we are, Um, but obviously for somebody whose family means that much to him, it's tough to not have them at the game with him when he's making his debut, but it's the way she goes in pro sports, especially when you got to fly across the country. And it's hard to do that with two kids. looks like you have a figure.
0: I was just gonna say, um, he coached uh, uh he coached six games. They won four and lost two. Do you know um uh, it is actually pretty funny the very first game he coached uh, like for the Rangers? It was which, against
1: the Islanders, wasn't it?
0: Flyers. And you know what the flyers. score was? No. Nine nothing.
1: <laughs> oh, they cooked them.
0: Yeah, they fucking torched them. That's awesome. Yeah, it's sick. Uh anyways, you were going you're saying.
1: Uh, I also like the fact that he's a good Sask boy. He's from Imperial. Oh, yeah. So shout out. Hold that shit down. Um he's handsome. He's got a good head of hair.
0: He's really hot. Yeah,
1: he's a he's a he looked he looks good in the royal Tall. blue suit when he's out there. Um, I don't know. I'm uh I'm I'm a big fan. And last thing I wanted to say, Todd McClellan. They media was asking him in LA what they thought about this move in regards to Jay Woodcroft, and he said whoever hires him is getting a hell of a coach. And I have to agree. I just really hope that he doesn't end up in the Pacific or the Western Conference because I don't want to have to deal with Jay Woodcroft too often. But I wish that man nothing but the best. And I hope that he has a very long career coaching professional hockey. And I hope that he knows that Oilers fans, or at least one for one, uh, wishes nothing but the absolute best for him.
0: Yeah, it seemed like a pretty, um, like pretty almost unanimous thing across the board that People were really that. People really didn't want to see Jay Woodcroft go. Um, now that I'm looking at it right now, I just wanted to just do like a quick little search just to see um, if there are any teams in the Pacific that would be considering somebody like Jay Woodcroft. Anaheim, no, they just hired a new coach. Calgary, probably not, they just hired a new coach. Uh, Kings, no, they're doing well with Todd McClellan. Yeah. San Jose, I think they're going to keep David Quinn for a while. And Vancouver, there, Vancouver, no, no, but. Fucking Oilers Steelers. I think it might be Seattle. Oh, really? Well, because think about it. Yeah, Dave they're Haxtell. on a bit of a slide. Yeah. Dave Haxtell kind of sucks. And it was funny, too, when they were sort of like... When they were flipping between Dave Haxtell and Chris Knobloch. Because um, Dave Haxtell just kind of looks like an older Chris Knoblock. It's really funny. I don't know if you've kind of compared yeah, them I've side by it. side. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, I mean... But also working for the Seattle Kraken back in an administrative role Dave Tippett.
1: Yeah, fuck. Yeah.
0: I would love to see Dave Tippett come back and coach Seattle. That would be sick. I would just, I would, I would, I would, I would love for that. Um, one thing we did also want to mention too. Should we just quickly touch on Paul Coffey?
1: Yeah, go for it. Uh
0: Paul Coffey uh has it, had never coached professionally in his life. I believe he he coached a like a junior a team for like two seasons. I don't even know if he was the head coach. Um, obviously hockey hall of famer. He's like the third highest scoring defenseman of all time. Greatest defenseman in oilers history. You know, I don't think Paul coffee really needs much discussion, but also special advisor to the owner. So a little bit, uh, su- as I like to say, suspect, but um, sure. I-, I guess so. I would have liked, Knoblock to actually get his own coaching staff, but I, I whatever, I it, it's fine. It, it yeah, do what you yeah. want?
1: It's interesting how the Oilers always keep Gullison with just like an arm around him, and they're like, "Hey, little guy, yeah, you don't you don't have to worry, you're safe here."
0: And also, Mark Stewart. I forgot they have Mark Stewart as well as one of their assistants.
1: I I just need this off season. I'm saying it now. If they don't move on from Holland and Schwartz, like if Holland does, if Holland gets re-upped. oh, he's not. It, and it's if Schwartz cool. is around, dude, I'm going to fucking snap.
0: I think Schwartz will be back around. It should be, dude. I, I, know, I know. But I think, I think Holland will be gone. I just, to be completely honest, I would like, uh, I don't want the assistants that are around right now to be taking over. I don't want Brad Holland to take over as GM. I don't want, and I understand Brad Holland was like a, a big deal in the freaking, um, and the whole Matthias Eckholm trade, but like, and like, I don't, I seriously don't want Keith Kretzky as the GM. Please, please, God, no. Um, oh, one thing I did, I, I, last thing I was gonna, I was just gonna mention about this whole thing was the like Jeff Jackson, Chris Knobloch sort of connection because from all accounts, was that like Knobloch was the guy that Jeff Jackson wanted. Like he is wanted, like he had said that this is a there, a, a, it's been sort of rumored and reported that this is the guy that he is wanted. And it was one of those things that the moment things got somewhat unsteady for the Oilers was the moment that he was going to jump all over Chris Knobloch. So I do like the idea of the president of the team who ultimately wants to make this team a winner. You know, identifying his guy and saying, I need that guy. Like, that is the one I need, and I will not be happy until I have that guy. So, that makes me a little happy. So, I think we can move on from there and move on to the next game, if you'd like.
1: I think so. Uh, Worth mentioning, final, final thing. This completes the quad history of Oilers' phallic coaches' names. Oh, yes. We've had Hitchcock. We've had Dave tip it we've had jay woodcroft and now we have the long knob very funny that's a a, prerequisite
0: we just need like a dick in there somewhere
1: we need babcock next no (laughs) no because we are hoping that chris nabla is here forever endeavor and gets so many Stanley cup rings and we love yes. him and he's cute and he's nice. And that is why we are going back to November 13th. The 4-1 win versus the New York Islanders, and we are calling it the night of the long knob. Say what you will about the coaching change. It doesn't matter the, the fact that a kid from Imperial Saskatchewan is behind the Oilers bench and is coaching his first career NHL game. We talked about that before, but we're choosing to call this his first career NHL game as he is the undisputed head coach of the club. Good luck to you, Chris. The Islanders come into Edmonton experiencing some very similar vibes to the Oilers. Overall, very yucky. Uh, Islanders fans are calling for Lane Lambert to be fired as well, given their 5-5-3 five, five, start. If only they actually knew what pain was. I would give anything for a 5-5-3 five, five, start. Anyway, speaking of knowing what pain is, uh, an Oilers defensive breakdown leads to a wide-open Matt Barzell burying... A two-on-one chance past Stuart Skinner. 40 seconds into the game to give the yes. Islanders a 1-0 lead. Don't forget, with Ilya Sorokin and net, that could be all the Islanders need and to win this Chris one.
0: Chris Snoblock is immediately buying a ticket back to Hartford, Connecticut and yeah. saying, I am done with this.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Well, lucky for us, Leon Dreisaitl decided that he was going to wake up. He streaked down the right wing and put one low, beating Sorokin, tying things up at one, Nurse getting the assist here. With the second period seeing tight checking from both sides, we enter the final frame, still tied at one. We need a hero! We need someone who isn't afraid to take a stand. Someone who has a nose for the net and an eye for the goal. Someone who writes children's books you want them we got them zachary martin hyman children's author scores on the power play from dry and mcdavid oh they're back to make it 2 one oilers the lads are absolutely buzzing mate and if you have been listening to the show or just following the nhl recently you know that one connor mcdavid is on a eight game goalless streak goal less not having goals. What the heck? That is no good. You better score one, Connor. Connor says as he pots one on the ensuing power play to make it 3-1 Oilers. Who else but Dreisaitl getting the assist? Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, no, that'll do. The rest of the third would see the Oilers comfortably close this one out with some theatrics at the end where the Islanders got a power play in the final three minutes. But the empty net goal merchant Teammate of the year and all around good guy, Evander Kane, will get to him. Gets his fourth of the year to solidify the 4 1 win and the first win of Chris Knoblaw's career. To be Chris, only 1,242 <laughs> away from the record.
0: Uh, did you notice anything different about this game? like i'm I'm just asking you like a like a general question. Like did you notice anything stylistically different about the team in this game? Uh,
1: Hunger on the four check. they were coming in hot. They're like I think they were going back to that uh, one two four check mode that they had been talking about or model or formation or whatever that they were talking about at the beginning of the season so it looked like they had a lot more tenacity in my opinion uh, in the offensive zone and I think that they did a better job of picking up guys in their own end past the blue Um, was kind of a stinky game for the first half an hour first 30 minutes but um, when the Oilers finally woke up it, it it looked pretty good I was overall quite happy with uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say a six out of 10. I was six out of 10 happy, which for this season is a 12.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, a, a 4-1 victory feels the same as a 12 nothing victory. Um, it was one of those things where I felt like I felt like there was always a guy on one of those loose pucks in, in the D zone because it just felt like through most of the beginning of the season is like the moment that the other team has there. Or that the opposing team has possession in the off or in in the uh, uh, defensive zone. That there was they were always able to kind of pick their corners and do what they want. And it felt like in this game they were breaking up cycles really easily, and they were just able to get on those loose pucks much quicker and break them out much quicker. So there's only so much you can do with like a practice and a half. So um, it's exciting to see.
1: Certainly is. And we were very much looking forward to, uh, Chris actually said it. I don't want to refer to him by his, by his first name. Cause we're not on that level Knobby. yet, but but the nominator, uh, he said, he's like, yeah, like when you're coaching junior of the AHL, most of the time, like you're playing games on the weekend. So you get three or four practices during the week to implement your system. And, you know, that's a different day. Every week, where you're focusing on, you know, like D zone exits or you're focusing on entries or you're focusing on power play or whatever, right? Because obviously in the NHL, you're playing a lot more frequently and your on ice sessions are quite a bit shorter by the time the guys warm up and do their individual coaching stuff, really can only leave you with 40 to, you know, half an hour or 40 minutes to an hour of actual team practice time. So um, for a new coach coming in the way that he did, Uh, really hasn't had a long time to work with these guys. So we were all really looking forward to having a couple days off and seeing what he could do with a little bit more practices uh, (laughs) with the Oilers playing against Seattle for the second time in three games.
0: Uh, Well, early returns were not too promising, Miles. uh, Because they had to to get a little help from somebody and put the team on his back, though. Uh, because attaboy Kaner with a 4-3 overtime win over the Seattle Kraken on November 15th last night. Uh, Oilers looking for their second straight win under the knob and third overall. And who not better to attend the show than the Jonas brothers! The big three performed in Edmonton I'm the hot. night before. The big <laughs> <Sorry>. pre- <laughs> it's okay. Uh the the big three performed in Edmonton the night before and must have felt like they need to stick around for the Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel show. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't? Um That was pretty that was like so exciting when they just they're doing the anthems and you just they just pan over and you see the Jonas brothers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the brothers
0: Jonas. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh but that's where the fun would stop for a while. Uh, a pretty bad first period by the team that saw a ton of shots sent at Stuart Skinner and off of terrible, terrible D-zone turnovers, picked off passes, making me feel like I was a sucker for how encouraged I was by this team's ability to defend better in the last game. But in the second period, our one-man show, Connor McDervidson, takes a beautiful backhand from his inseparable pal Leon after a penalty kill blows past our old friend, Laddam. call him Latam, because that's his Instagram handle and scores on Joey decor to make it one, nothing Oilers apples to Connor and Boosh on that one or sorry, apples to Leon and Boosh on that one. Jesus, what's, what the hell's wrong with me? Uh, um, Connor
1: McDavid starts assisting his own goals. The rest of the league's going to be on watch.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, a couple minutes later, a pretty simple Kraken rush. The net sees our former love bug Jordan Everly dish the puck across to Jared McCann, who taps it in with McLeod all over him, and we are tied up. Okay, it's a little lucky. Kraken worked hard for that one. It's okay. It's okay. We'll be fine. Barely two minutes later, Evan Bouchard says, "I'm still in love with you," and turns the puck over to Kyler Yamamoto. Motocross is discontinued. We will never call him that again. And the puck finds its way to Pierre Edward Belmar, and it is two-one Kraken. Do you agree with that, Miles?
1: With the Yamo thing?
0: Yeah, we are. We are discontinuing that.
1: Oh yeah, no, that's that's the same as uh, our former number thirteen, who will unfortunately never have his name said the same way again.
0: Okay, perfect. I, I just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. Yes. Um, yes, I mean, yes. yes, it's just like it's just like Ryan Strom. We will not call him Ryan Dome anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> with a few minutes left in the second, uh, the Oilers decide to uh, to leave the front of their net wide open, so Alex Wenberg can easily put one pass through. Three one, and they've got me going crazy. <sighs> Big third period and coming for the boys, and it was chocked full of penalties to start. Three to be exact for the good guys, including an absolutely boneheaded elbow by Adam Ernie that had me sending out an SOS signal to the Department of Player Safety to suspend him for 67 games plus playoffs. God. Miles, I never want to see Adam Ernie in this lineup ever again. (laughs) He's such a a non-factor. Anchor! Anchor! <laughs> God, slowing slowing down James Hamblin and Raphael Lavoie. Like, and, and, you, and Raphael Lavoie's pretty slow, and you're even slowing him down, brother. But, with six minutes left, the puck finds its way on the cycle from Viking Daddy to Boosh, who sends a gorgeous slap past to... Team of the, teammate of the year, an all-around good guy, Evander Kane, who has his ass parked in front and scores to make it 3-2, starting the comeback. Edmonton Oilers empty net challenge accepted this time. Usually this is an automatic 4-2 L, but Evander Kane is burning up, and he scores his second of the game from Leon and nuge tying it up and sending us into overtime, making this game a little bit longer. And... Well, an absolutely ruthless shift by the third OT group, and we'll get to the OT uh, trios in a moment. Uh, uh, is, uh, sees Bush send another slap pass, but this time to Zyman, who waits out the defender and finds Evander Kane, teammate of the year and all around good guy, who says good night and goodbye to the Kraken ceiling, his natural hat track, the seventh hatty of his career, and three straight wins for your Edmonton Oilers. Shots were 35 31, 50% each in the dot. Oilers went 0 for 3 on the power play. P U, but also went 5 for 5 on the PK. That's a nice improvement. Kane with three goals. Boosh with three apples. Leon with two. Connor with one goal. Eck, Nuge, and Zyman with one assist each. The roller coaster of a season continues in Tampa. Um, Yeah. Really, really gutsy comeback. Certainly not a game you want to hang your head on. And I love that I love that Knoblock was in the media afterwards and was like, yeah, uh, that second period was about as bad as you can get. <laughs>
1: hey, dude, he's he's honest.
0: Yeah, it, it rules. Um, but one thing I really did like, and he kind of explained it was when they opened overtime, they didn't start with the typical Leon. Connor and uh, Bouchard or Leon Connor and nurse trio. Uh, And the way that he actually explained it was like, basically if you lose the face off, you're not going to get possession for about 60 seconds. So the idea was that you have two defensemen out there and then that way you can immediately, like once you get possession of the puck, you can immediately switch at the defender for another forward. And that's how they eventually brought Connor McDavid back out. And I think that's actually quite smart. (laughs) like yeah dude
1: that's awesome
0: yeah that's so cool um very forward thinking and very cool and i mean this was a huge game for vander kane and to be completely honest like i've talked a lot of shit about vander kane and (laughs) (laughs) but man um, it feels gross to say but like he's when he's humming and when he's going He's I I brought this up on the show before, but like he's genuinely the Oilers' third best player when he's going because he is a fucking force on the ice. Yeah, and, man, he, uh, he's
1: been incredible the past few stretches of games. Week yeah. two weeks, he's been right up there with Hyman in terms of of best players on the team. I think yeah. that that's not a stretch to say.
0: When they've shown absolutely zero life, he's the one guy that's actually been kind of putting the team on his back. And and it's just really just getting to the greasy areas. And that's what this team needs more of is just get to the hard areas. Like, I love Nuge, man, but Nuge, just get to the net. Like, don't settle for these like these shots like 10 feet away from the net. Like, get in there or streaking down areas.
1: the streaking down the wing trying to be a fucking sniper and missing the cage by 18 yeah. feet that's that's probably my biggest nuge gripe
0: oh. is his
1: shot selection man and how he thinks that he's a how he thinks that he's Chris Kyle but <laughs> it's fine it's fine because when evander Kane is doing what he's doing and playing at a three four on this team it's okay that nuges are five six it works. Yeah. Perfect, uh, in, in harmony as, as to what we needed when these guys were coming in. So, um, wanted to give a shout out to anybody who caught all of Nolan's, um, uh, Jonas brothers song titles that were used in that uh. last package, because there's about a thousand and they were very good. Uh, like the, do you like the Jonas brothers?
0: I do like the Jonas Brothers. I love the
1: Jonas Brothers. Yeah, I fucking're the great brothers hard. So um, um yeah. I posted on Instagram last night a picture of of Joe wearing his Oilers jersey vibing, and I called it cake by the Oilers bench. So um funny too, I think. Is he I just guess. talking about
0: Leon's ass?
1: I'm talking about Chris. I know Chris ain't a big boy, but I'm ready, right, I'm eating it.
0: Does Chris have does Chris have some cake on him?
1: Even if Chris doesn't have cake, even if Chris just has a muffin, I'm I'm housing it.
0: <laughs> I love the idea of Chris Nobloch listening to us and going, huh, uh, huh, huh. "That's that's quite funny, guys."
1: <laughs> wow, that's uh, I've been sexualized. I feel, <laughs> I feel I feel I feel like uh, Wenberg.
0: Do you do you think that uh, do you think when Chris Luck like calls the cops, he says, uh, huh, 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 "I'm going to reach out to the authorities on this one."
1: Oh, you know he's yeah. like, let's see the body cam footage first. Dude, he lived in Hartford, probably in a gated community. <laughs> you know how it is.
0: <laughs> Do you think he's a so big that, Tucker guy?
1: I I think that we need to separate the art from the artist. <laughs> Because at this point, with the polit- of the NHL or Tucker guys, yeah, dude, we're not. This is a non-political podcast, but I, I think most of the guys in the NHL would be like, "Well, I think that uh, there's two sides." Okay, I have <laughs> to, I have to talk for a second, dude. I found this really bad TikTok account, um, and it's like uh, independently produced super Christian movies.
0: Yes, let's go. And it's
1: so bad, dude. It's insane. Some of the shit that they're putting out, like. I, I I don't I'm afraid to even mention what the one I watched last night was but it's like they're talking so you imagine like if Donald Trump Jr. was making movies and he's like yeah we have a budget of $1,500 <laughs> and a message to spread that's exactly what you're getting out it's it's Lynn sanity.
0: yeah I think I saw a clip of one of those movies going around like not that long ago and I'm like. Jesus Christ, what's what oh, yeah. the hell is happening? It's kind of like um did you hear that? I mean, it's not like totally like a hard like Christian movie or anything, but did you did you catch like that whole fr- like that whole craze over sound of freedom?
1: I don't even know what that is.
0: There is, so there's this, okay. I I, I promise you we'll get back to the Oilers talking. I just need to just tell you this, okay? So um, to kind of put this into perspective, like, most movies nowadays worldwide, um, like, a really, like, successful movie, like, those, like, big tentpole movies usually make, like, a billion dollars. So, those are, like, your Marvel movies, um, your fucking, like, basically any comic book movie, blah, 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 um, Oppenheimer made, like, $900 million this year, which is a huge success. Um and then you get to, like, your, like, mid-budget movies. And ideally what you want to do is you want to make a movie that makes three times its budget back. So if you're making a movie for $20 million, you want to make $60 million at the box office. That would mean this movie would be a success. Um, there's this movie called Sound of Freedom that came out earlier this year. And it's basically about, like, child trafficking and all that stuff. And, oh, hell yeah. And it was, so it, uh, like... Obviously, child trafficking is bad. Okay. Like, we're, we're, we're not, we're not supporting it. But anyway, we're yeah, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it started a, it started this whole craze that this movie was coming up because it was originally filmed in like 2018. It was going to be distributed by 20th Century Fox, who is a studio purchased by Disney. I'm only saying, explaining all of this because I know Miles has absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Um, so then, on the
1: contrary, <laughs> I've seen this explained on TikTok. Okay, oh perfect. I there just didn't go. know that's what it was called.
0: Oh, okay. Um so then essentially what ended up happening out of this was uh this this independent like Christian funded studio purchased the movie cuz they're like we need to get the message out there. And it's based on a true story. Cool. That's that's great. Um and it was made for like $15 million. And the movie ended up making like two hundred and sixty million dollars this summer, which is like it's a small release and it was like that is unprecedented for like a movie of this even like Passion of the Christ. I think Passion of the Christ made like four or five hundred million dollars when it came out. And but that was directed by Mel Gibson. So like that's that's a, a big name behind it. And that was twenty years ago. Like we're in the middle of we're post pandemic right now, I guess if you want to argue we're in the middle of pandemic still. Um, but like, like the, like the pandemic numbers and this movie made like $260 million. But the, the funny part about this is that there is a whole system where it's like, you can buy a ticket for somebody to go see it. So I remember when the movie first came out and I always like looking at like the seating charts. So like when you go and buy like a movie ticket, you can look at the seating charts of how many tickets are sold. And I did it for Sound of Freedom when it first came out. Every showing of the day, and there were like 12 of them, were sold out completely because people were either like, oh, I got to be there opening night. Uh, Or it was like, I bought this ticket, so I want somebody else to see it. So there's a little bit of like fishy shit going on with like just how successful the movie was. But it's still one of those things is like unbelievable. It's like unprecedented. So yeah, Chris Knobloch, big Sound of Freedom guy.
1: Um, anyway you slice it man Money's, money talks. so yeah. I don't care if those theaters were empty they still got the revenue uh, yeah. which is what Gary should be doing to make sure that he's paying the players we're back we back last little bit of Oilers news uh, Dylan Holloway and Matthias Janmark were both moved to LTIR on November 15th Holloway for a lower body injury probably a knee when he went hard into the boards Against the Islanders. And then Jan Mark. He hasn't been in the lineup since October 26th. Due to a shoulder injury. So uh, most of these guys are called up already. But Adam Ernie, Ralph Lavoie, Sam Gagne, and James Hamlin. Will be leading the charge as the replacements here. Um, tolerable with three of four of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm fine. Yeah, I. Uh, it would have been nice to have enough cap space available. That you could call up Xavier Borgo. Just to see. Like what you got Mm -hmm. just to just give him a quick little showcase. Um, But yeah, no, I, I, man, I just don't want to see Adam Ernie in this lineup anymore. I'm sick of it. I understood him being called up in a pinch because it's like, you're not going to dress him every night. And I'd rather the Bakersfield guys get every night, uh, like every night starts. Um, Speaking of which, I didn't write this in the notes, but I want to just quickly mention one thing about Bakersfield. (laughs) I think you know where I'm going with this. I don't wanna hear it. Uh, well, people are just gonna to have to know anyways. um but yeah, i I really don't like Adam Ernie being with this team uh, and being in the lineup every night, but I mean every speaking of, every player's got their vi- or every coach has got their vice,
1: speaking of uh players you don't want to see night in night out. Tell us no one can <laughs> tell us about Bakersfield,
0: so Bakersfield currently tasked with uh re- rehabilitating uh our lovable soldier Jack Campbell. <laughs> and it's not going very well, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Thought it was gonna be a hit. Turns out it fucking, it fucking sucks. sucks.
0: Quite bad. Um Jack Campbell currently has an 03-0 record, so uh zero wins, three losses. Uh it is currently rocking a four point three six GAA, which is somehow worse. Oh, uh, Or sorry, no, it, it's actually a little bit better. Sorry, I was actually okay, the I was opposite say, way.
1: There's no fucking way.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, he is actually worse in one statistic. Um Miles, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna quickly go go tell you this. So uh he finished, or I don't say finish, but when he was last playing with the Edmonton Oilers, he had a point eight seven three save percentage. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think his Bakersfield safe percentage is?
1: I'm going to say like eight, six.
0: Strap in. Oh, no. Eight, one, nine.
1: Oh, my Lord. He's (laughs) fucking playing like he's in the WHL.
0: Even worse. That is
1: holy dinosaur. That's not even funny, dude. That's actually kind of sad.
0: Okay, Miles, I'm looking at his hockey DB right now. He has not had a save percentage lower than 872. And that was with the Dallas Stars in 1314, 14 and he played one game. Yikes. Like, this is unprecedented for Jack Campbell. And I, yeah, like you said, I, I feel horrible for the guy at the same time. Five million dollars a year is probably not bad when you're in the minors and you don't have to pay escrow. Um, but ultimately, like this isn't where anybody wants to be in their professional career. But there is a very, very, very long road to returning for Jack Campbell. And yeah, work funny game, Jack. Yeah, unfortunately, he's also stealing games from Olivier Rodrigue, who has been pretty consistently great night in night out. I know he allowed three goals last night, but apparently a lot of them were not really his fault. So. Hoping the best for Olivier Rodrigue's development as well. Anyways, that's the Oilers.
1: (laughs) Shall we move on to the rest of the league? Sounds good. So this is a bit of a uh, interesting
0: hard left turn.
1: Hard left turn. Uh, Moving into NHL shit. The player involved with the death of Adam Johnson was booked on manslaughter charges a couple of days ago. Um, We'll leave it at that. We'll let you do your research. Check it out. Make your own. Uh, assumptions or whatever from there. And if you want to check it out, if you haven't heard about it, there you go. Now you're hearing about it. So it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out.
0: Just wanted to say one thing about that. And it's more of like, it's a charge in the UK. And apparently a lot of like, when you're charged with something in the, I don't know. I don't know British law. This is just what I've seen. So I'm just taking secondhand stuff. Apparently it's more of a clerical thing. And then they have to actually do their trial and all that stuff. So just, just telling people first and foremost. So that's, that's kind of what's going on. So like you said, you can do your own research. You can take a look into it and all that stuff, but it sucks. It sucks. It's a shitty situation.
1: There is a photo that's been circulating on the internet of a player from in the Eastern Ontario, AAA hockey league. Nice. Uh, I think it's a midget league uh, where a young lad got stitches on his neck, about four inches in length. He was wearing a neck guard. Um, so it was not as severe of an injury as it could be. And all things considered, he's going to get him out, have a little bit of a zipper and maybe have a story for the next few years, uh, to tell people. But at the end of the day, that neck guard probably saved another person's life. So it's nice to see that, uh, the legacy of Adam Johnson is working across across the globe and is, is saving, you know, people and families from a lot of hardship. So shout out to, uh, to Adam's family friends shout out to his teammates shout out to everybody and just keep being safe out there
0: yeah absolutely man yeah just uh I think we're gonna start seeing these becoming a hell of a lot more popular it feels like every week we're seeing a new player kind of come up and say yeah that was, that was a close call I think I'm gonna start putting on a I think I'm gonna just probably start wearing a neck guard from now on so um right up. yeah it's uh <sighs> What a tough situation right now, man. Like that, that really sucks. Um, also not great. Uh, Tage Thompson expected to miss significant time with an upper body injury joining Alex Tuck, Zach Benson, and Jack Quinn on the Sabres IR forcing Casey Middlestat and Dylan Cousins to step up as the healthy centers on the Sabres team that is playing far below expectations right now. Uh, that yeah. sucks. Tage Thompson's one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. And I had a lot of hopes in Buffalo, and those hopes are not paying off very well
1: (laughs) yeah it goes to show just how important uh it is to not lose guys to uh you know not lose man games to injuries and whatnot so hoping that all those fellas in buffalo can get healthy can get back doing what they do best and uh, make it make an exciting race over there in that uh division speaking of exciting races Um, probably not just a bunch of pale male, stale dudes at the NHL GM's meeting, but they discussed potential changes to three on three overtime this past week. They are saying that retreating behind the blue line to maintain possession is going against the intentions of the original implementation of three on three overtime. Potential penalties could be an option. If teams retreat into the neutral zone, the owners GMs, they will talk again in March and go over this in further detail. Crazy amount of boomer energy here. In my humble opinion, um, Three-on-three hockey is awesome. If anything, they should be making it longer. Uh, I don't really understand why they're trying to demonize retreating into the neutral zone to get uh, to get resettled rather than just taking the offside and dumping the puck in. I think that would make boring hockey. Um, it also leads to longer shifts, which has guys out of position, has guys to gasping, tired, and leads to, again, more creativity when they come back in over that blue line. So... I don't know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, but I, I think that that's fucking stupid.
0: Just make three on three ten minutes. What are we doing? Like, what are we fucking doing here? This isn't difficult. I just... The NHL just can't get out of their own fucking way.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of getting out of the way, I'm going to take five, and then you can close it off with four. Okay. Uh, actually, you, you take four, I'll take five.
0: Okay. So you want me to do four first? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, so... PWHL teams, exciting times. Uh, the season is going to be kicking off pretty shortly here. I think actually training camps are, or I think the players have reported to training camp at this point. Now Um, it's uh, when the hell is the first game again? Um, Shit. I just, I just had it. I just had it pulled up. Um, Anyways, uh, PWHL, they, Oh, training camps opened yesterday. Uh, PWHL announced their or unveiled their their uniforms and uh, for all six teams and they have no logos and they have no uh, no names for the teams at all and they're all sharing the same design the same like diagonal ranger style look um, and I just think that this is such a bad look for this new league already like I want this thing to succeed because the women's hockey leagues have just kind of gone in and out of different variations. And I want something to be really consistent. And if you want to build a consistent brand, um, you got to like have a look for each team. You have to develop something. It doesn't matter how stupid it sounds. You just got to just do it. Worst Uh, case scenario, you can just (laughs) rebrand it, man. Like, I don't know. I just, I just think it's a good idea just to just come up with something. Like you got to have something.
1: Anything's better than the Toronto Sixes. That was one of the worst names in sports, in my opinion. Uh, but I do agree with you. I think that that's one of the things that a lot of sports fans look at hockey for is having really cool names. Um, and this is a really good opportunity for them to sit down with some consulting groups and whatnot and, and come up with some team names. Um, maybe the simplicity of just having, you know, Ottawa, Toronto, New York on a Jersey is going to do something for them, but I, I do think it's a miss as well. Um, and any, any earned dollars in a brand is, is good going forward. So hopefully they get things figured out soon. Um, and hopefully this, uh, PWHL is going to be a league that's around for a long time. And maybe we're just small brain and we don't know the bigger play, uh, at hand. Maybe they're going to do a complete one eighty and like first game of the year, they're going to be like, we're the Nighthawks Hawks idiot Sick. and come out with some dope shit. So, um, it'll be interesting to watch. And the fact that people are talking about it may be a good thing.
0: Yep, that That is very true. That is yeah. actually very true.
1: Speaking of people talking about it, uh, <laughs> people are talking about this. Philip Hornick used a, he's a member of the Vancouver Canucks. He's on a bit of a heater as are the Canucks. I think they're like 12, three and something. They're, Fucking absolutely they insane! They are
0: uh, 12, yeah, 12, 3 and 1. They yeah. have won their last 10, 8, 1 and 1.
1: Yeah, they are um, doing good stuff out there for their fans. Uh, but Philip Hornick, he used a CCM FT6 Pro, that is a stick, to shoot the puck at the hardest track speed since tracking tech was introduced. He shot a whopping 107.9 mile per hour shot in game. Holy lick. That's uh that's a spicy shot.
0: So has he now taken the mantle from like Shea Weber from the scariest slap shot in the game?
1: Uh if if Shea Weber was holding it it's um it's a long time coming and it's time for somebody else to take that on. But um 108 mile an hour, holy shit dude. What a weird
0: what a weird player to to have the highest track yeah. speed
1: that's that's insane uh i remember like martin frick
0: oh yeah or not martin frick uh his last name was
1: three letters
0: yeah 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 i think it's i think it's pronounced firk yeah yeah yeah, Yeah.
1: him i think he shot 104 in a game uh for the kings he come he got called up
0: and i think in the ahl all-star game he shot like 120 or something like that
1: that's got to be. There's no way he should. Like, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying that that radar is incorrect because uh,
0: it was 120 with
1: a puck and stick is simply too fast. Goalies. Go oh, oh
0: sorry. People. No, no, no. I'm wrong. 109.2 miles per hour.
1: That's nasty. That's still yeah. just certifiably insane.
0: Yeah, he beat Zidane Chara's record, which was, I think, 108. something I remember watching, actually, the game where Zidane Chara broke the record.
1: I remember that all-star game. I don't know if I remember the game.
0: Yeah. God, all-star games used to be terrible. But Like, th- this is different.
1: <laughs> this is different than watching a guy walk up and hit a sitting puck, you know, yeah. 14. No, th- yeah, this is like. The net. This is getting a 1T, yeah. taking it, and just housing it. So, yeah. wow. Wow, to say the least.
0: Do you, do you think that the Canucks are going to keep this up?
1: No. there's are no yeah. fucking way.
0: They are on the craziest PDO bender right now. And it's like I think it I think it's sustainable to make the playoffs, but I just man, like this is the this is like the the fucking breaking bad Jesse meme. He can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> Cause like, yeah, there's no way the Canucks are gonna be able to shoot this high and get this many stops for the entire season like thatcher demko is a band-aid waiting to happen
1: i don't want to say that because i i like thatcher i
0: i do too Uh, i'm just i'm just saying it hurts it
1: hurts me that we're we played three of our four games against vancouver while they were in the midst of being certifiably insane good yeah so that kind of sucks for the Oilers, but I mean, let the Canucks fans have a little bit of happiness. Oh,
0: totally. Yeah. They
1: haven't had some for a yeah. while, but I I don't think it's sustainable. I really, really don't think so. I think it's gonna come crashing down. They beat the Sens five two with 16 shots on goal. Yeah,
0: there's no way.
1: You can't keep
0: you can't keep getting away with
1: that. <laughs> Fraudulent!
0: Um, I'm looking at their shooting percentage right now. Uh, they are currently shooting a whopping 14.6%. <laughs> Holy please shit. Please. That's so, outrageous. I think the van- average, the average is like 10. That's oh, nuts.
1: Vancouver fans get, uh, get to the West coast as soon as you can to watch your team. Um, while you can and enjoy the ride Floor pie. This is for you, buddy. Yeah. Nolan, looking at next week's agenda for our Edmonton Oilers, On a three-game ripper, they head to Tampa Bay Saturday, November 18th. They will then play Florida on the Monday. Um, And then I don't think they play again for a little while. So really, we only have the... But we're, we're starting a big away swing here. And we've got Tampa and Florida on Saturday and Monday. I am going to be a coward... I am going to respectfully decline comment on how I think they're going to do for the betterment of the team. Because every time I say they're going to do something, they do the opposite of it. And at this point, I don't know whether to play into that psyche or play against it. So I am going to um, exercise my fifth amendment rights to not perjure myself. I think they're going to
0: beat Tampa. And yeah, I'm just not going to say anything about Florida. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, Oh man, I just don't want to do this. I just get, yeah, fuck it. Two and oh. two. And O oh, they're going to keep this thing going. They're going to keep chugging along. That'll bring us to seven, nine and one. Still not where you want to be, but getting there, getting close. Um, And I think that it's going to because they're then after Carolina, they're going to go or sorry, they're going to go Carolina two days after that. The next the next little bit goes Tampa, Florida, Carolina, Washington. And then you get Anaheim at home on the 28th and then you get Vegas at home on the 30th or. Yeah, Vegas oh sorry. No, Anaheim at home on the 26th. Vegas at home on the 28th and then uh, at Winnipeg, November 30th. So, and then I think they actually get a, like a week break after that. So
1: we have a tremendous amount of Oilers hockey coming up and yeah. it is, as Nolan said, a roller coaster of a season. Anything else you want to say, Nolan, or can I wrap this up?
0: Um, yeah, we can wrap it up like, like some Christmas gifts. Some Christmas gifts. I've been been watching a lot of, I've been watching Christmas movies already. I already got my lights set up.
1: It is certainly that time. It is a big part of the season, big push. Uh, NFL playoffs are coming up. Christmas is coming up. Time off, lots of good shit there. Having a couple drinks with your friends because Christmas is about getting drunk and stoned with your family. But the Oilers are about making our lives miserable. We hope that that doesn't continue. We've had a blast here on Season 4, Episode 8 of the One for One podcast. We appreciate you joining us. And as always, go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.